Stampede. Gardner isn't. Number 36, Addendum. If I was a little bitty girl and I had a lot of money, I'd buy me a guitar player. He'd be good as any. And he'd pick, I'd pick, we'd both pick together. Wouldn't we have a lot of fun just picking on one another? The other day, I was waiting for a friend to pick me up. We had plans for lunch. It was raining cats and dogs outside while I sat at the entrance to the lobby of my hotel. And as I waited, a guy came into the hotel, stopped, and started wiping his feet on the floor mat by the entrance. I'm thinking to myself, I haven't seen that lately. Someone wiping his feet on the floor mat before going to the lobby desk. I said to myself, 
this guy was well trained. You don't see that too much these days. For some reason, he reminded me of a dog scratching the ground after doing its business. At any rate, my friend drives up, and I got up and rushed to her car to avoid getting pounded in the rain. I got in the car, and her toy poodle named Teddy slid over to her lap. Hi, Eddie. Where do you want to eat? I can't say. It's your choice. And as I began buckling up my safety belt, I said, You know, I just saw something very interesting. Really? I just saw a guy walk into the hotel and wipe his feet on the floor mat. Now, my friend and her toy poodle both looked at me. What do you mean? Well, you don't often see people do that anymore. And Teddy looked at me. I mean, he reminded me of a dog after doing its business. And my friend and Teddy looked at me. What do you mean, Eddie? Well, doesn't Teddy scratch his paws on the ground after he does his business? Most certainly not. What do you mean? After he does his business, I grab him, and with a towel, I wipe his feet. Wait a second. You're telling me you wipe Teddy's paws every time he does his business? Of course I do. Teddy looked at me in disgust. You're telling me you wipe Teddy's paws before he scratches the ground? I do. And besides my giving him treats, he loves that I clean his feet. Wait a second. You're telling me he loves to have his paws cleaned? He most certainly does. I've started using moisturizers on the pads of his feet. Let me see. And she lifted his leg, and she showed me the underside of his paw. My God, they do look soft. And... Teddy looked at me as if to say, What do you expect? I'm special. Of course, it's difficult to evaluate what our relationship is to our pets. They mean so much to us. I sometimes wished I could be a dog to play like a dog. So I asked, Aren't you concerned about washing Teddy's paws? Instead of allowing him to scratch the ground, you're giving him a false sense of security. Not in the least. It gives me pleasure knowing he doesn't have to get his paws dirty. So what you're saying is that you're doing it for yourself. And Teddy looked at me. Why, Eddie? Teddy enjoys having his paws clean. Aren't you concerned... You may be stereotyping Teddy, causing him to be a feat and less than a male dog. And Teddy looked at me. Maybe he'd enjoy roughhousing and bouncing around in the dirt. I can't do that, Eddie. Teddy belongs to a different class of dog. Well, don't you run the risk of spoiling him? I don't think so, Eddie. Well, anthropomorphically, can't Teddy take on a snobby, selfish, 
an even vain quality? I don't think so, Eddie. Don't you run the risk of being accused of being fussy, frivolous, and impractical, raising Teddy this way? And Teddy looked at me again. So what? Teddy likes to do what he likes to do, and I'm happy with that. Let's try this new restaurant I heard about. They lay out all the fixins, and you cook your own meal. Sounds interesting. A little like staying home and cooking for yourself. Yes, you're even required to wash your own plates after you're finished. Now, not to sound too critical of my friend. She loves Teddy. And that's good. And I've been to my friend's home. She has impeccable taste. She plants beautiful gardens. And I'm sure Teddy approves. I know what I understand. There's no confusion about that with me. I don't have anything to gain by what I say. I just know where I belong and what most of my life has been about, what I've been a part of, what I believe I can never abandon. The truth is, I've been more fortunate than most. As a child, I was loved and free to explore, to live in the midst of a natural world. I can never be ungrateful for that. 
I was given what few people have. And considering how things are today, I'm very lucky. It could have been much different for me. I could have been raised differently, pigeonholed to work for the system, eventually coming to an end, wondering what it was all about. I never worked for anyone. I spent most of my time looking and understanding what I was a part of. I never had a job. I just made and created my own jobs to build a house, to plant my fields, to grow a nursery of trees, to create images, to play as a free child. I couldn't hold a job that wasn't my own. I always saw the excitement of what I was doing, the value of my own work. I was happy in that. I didn't belong to anyone or anything but to my own self-worth. Looking back, I might have even been better with less. I didn't need more because what I had other people today long for. I see a lot of empty lives. And the tragedy of that is they know their lives have been wasted deceived into believing the time they spent had meaning. I didn't live as you do. In fact, I should have been better without more. I had beautiful things, very old, beautiful things, which I no longer have. But what I miss the most is the land. with the wilderness I can't see or feel anymore. What I had millions of Americans long for. You see, you've bought into the system and it's wrong. Some way you'll see that. A realization 
we could have lived differently. And let me be clear about this. I'm not talking about politics, neither Democrats or Republicans. No, I'm talking about something that goes far deeper and wider than that. It's about our culture, our economic systems that are going to bring us to a profound sorrow. We're changing the meaning of who we are, and most likely it won't stand. On its face, consumerism is based on getting more, and it's asking you to live by values which breed unhealthy behavior, behavior which causes deception, greed, and violence. It produces a false conduct in our lives that demands we need more, all for the sake of profits, even if it requires deceiving you into believing the profits are real. For some time now, what has been happening on Wall Street, the practice of some companies getting cheap, if not free money, and using it to inflate the value of their stock can be nothing short of fraud. It's something that can only lead to tragic consequences when it becomes obvious those companies are, for whatever reason, no longer making a profit. Storefronts close, people thrown out of work, even though stock values may remain high, and corporate officers continue being paid exorbitant salaries. The deceptions in a consumerist society are many, and there can be many events that can tell us that something is wrong. Maybe what has been happening since the Chinese city of Wuhan quarantined 11 million people.
I know this. If it isn't the coronavirus, it'll be something else. But to continue with what's been happening, I'm confident this virus is man-made and most likely was developed as a weapon. Whether it was released by accident or intentionally won't be immediately revealed. If intentionally, there are several suspects. Personally, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence to suggest who might have produced this. But I won't name names. All sorts of accusations can be leveled, and there's nothing more dangerous in the present condition of tension that exists in the world today and which could result in a miscalculation. One thing is certain, economies will be affected, and to be frank about this, the modern monetary theory may not be able to paper over what's coming down the road. If you're not familiar with that theory, in short, it says, if a country has a central bank, it can resolve any financial crisis caused by either deflation or inflation by simply printing or withholding money into an economy. It's dependent upon an economy consuming. A central bank can print as much paper money as it likes, and it can attempt to keep things working just as long as the people who use that money are confident of its worth. There are people who continue to say it doesn't matter what the debt of the U.S. government is. And believe me when I say there are a lot of people who don't want you to think about that. But let me tell you something. No modern monetary theory can correct what a serious biological weapon can inflict on a society. What I've been saying for some time now on Garner isn't. We aren't safe, and we probably never have been safe.
serious things are coming for us. And you thought artificial intelligence could save you. The coronavirus may be contained among our species, but if this thing was designed by humans and didn't evolve out of nature, the consequences could be devastating. If this disease can't be contained, you should be prepared for some life-changing events, rolling blackouts, food shortages, gas shortages, riots, war, armies on the march, governments falling. As of yet, we don't know the long-term effects for people who have been infected, but many may suffer debilitating long-term health issues related to breathing or other normal physical functions. If it's man-made, it's not known if it can be transmitted to other living things. No, this is something that's just beginning, and the damage has not yet been assessed. The music you first heard on Garner Isn't was Sarah Savoy's Little Bitty Girl. You then heard Planet Earth, theme from the TV series Planet Earth. Then you heard Danny Elfman's composition Ice Dance from the movie Edward Scissorhands. Then more music from Planet Earth, Conservation. And another work by Elfman, a cut from Beetlejuice theme from the movie Beetlejuice. And finally, Elfman, the end from the movie Psycho. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.